you ever get depressed on Christmas? I don't celebrate Christmas. What, are you Hindu or something? No, I just don't like to. Well, what's not to like? I mean, it's a lot of fun, you know? God! Say you hate Washington's birthday or Thanksgiving and nobody cares, but say you hate Christmas and everybody makes you feel like you're a leper or something. Christmas. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. It's, uh... I guess this is our last episode of the year as well. That's true. Which, you know, I find that maybe of more note. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. We did do a, a seasonal episode this time, and uh, I, I believe just before recording this, we, we came to the agreement of, like, why did we do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I walked in the door and was like, so what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not like in a total Grinch way, just in like, you know, pick movies we like, but just because we like them doesn't necessarily mean we have the most fruitful discussions. Mm-hmm. But I think we've got a good plan of attack, and by that I mean you get to hear me say some absolutely dog shit things, and then you get to listen to Aria drop some knowledge on us to make up for it. Try and pronounce some Icelandic names. <laughs> oh wow, I thought you'd have that down. I never took Old Norse, so... <sighs> I'm seriously rethinking this whole podcast now. Yeah, it's cold out. We're kind of losing sleep. And I I love this. We're already at the point where our our mental degradation is palpable to our listeners. I almost said readers. Says everything. But I guess, fuck it, let's just get into it. We watched two fun Christmas movies. Uh, We started off with Gremlins from 1984, which, of course we did. Everyone talks about Gremlins and watches it at Christmas. Absolutely. Rightfully so. Oh, it's great. I love it. Just, uh, yeah, you know, we're we're not thinking outside the box on this one very much. So for those who maybe haven't watched it in a while or haven't seen it at all, uh, I realize uh, as I get older, that becomes more and more of a thing. You know, like in high school, this kind of movie would have been like, everyone's like, you haven't seen it? What the fuck? Whereas it's less like people are just like, what's a gremlin? So we have this inventor dude who is... Okay, right off the bat, this movie's confounding when you've seen it more than once. Why is the dad the narrator? (laughs) Like, his whole existence in the movie is to narrate it, essentially. He sort of kicks off the plot, he does the inciting incident, and then, like... I don't know, is he, like, the Mario to, like, Danny DeVito's Wario and Matilda? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe he's more like the Waluigi, because this guy's pretty chaotic, too. That's true, yeah. But he's not, like, evil, like Yeah, he's more bumbling, yeah. (laughs) Whereas uh, the Matilda dad has sort of that, uh, the Rusky from Rocky and Bullwinkle vibe to him. Um, but yeah, so the dad who shows up at the beginning and the end and is briefly there for a couple scenes narrates this thing. It's almost like those fireside chats reading from a book, but it's him reading from like smoggy streets in Chinatown, which, you know, it opens with a sort of like mystical quality to like this weird far off place. It's kind of like, 
it makes sense when you realize that the Indiana Jones movies were also at this time with their yes. their love for Orientalism. I've seen way worse. Like you know, it's, it's not that this movie's necessarily egregious on that front, but it's there. You know, and that's undeniably, not, and that's also not for me to say. You know, like how egregious it is or isn't. But yeah, he ducks into this little shop to try and sell one of his newfangled inventions to the the uh, old uh, shopkeeper guy. Convince him to stalk them or whatever. Yeah, convince him to stalk them, even though it's like this antiquities thing in the basement of this <laughs> alley, and he's just like, what is he trying to sell him? Is it like the bathroom buddy? I think so. Yeah, he's one of his crazy inventions, and it just doesn't work very well. That's right, because he like shoots toothpaste all over himself. And uh, as he's there, he hears this weird, like, singing, this weird trilling noise. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, what the fuck is that? And it's Gizmo. Everyone knows Gizmo. Even if you haven't seen Gremlins. I said, almost said Grizzlums. Even if you haven't seen Gremlins, you you know Gizmo. Yeah, you you recognize him. Yeah. If you you don't, that... I weep. You know, I feel bad for you. I was going to say, he looks like a Furby, but then I'm like, that is also dating me, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Furbies are the Uncanny Valley version of Gizmo. Absolutely. That's, like, the only way to put it. Yes. Which is why I like those people who do those, like, weird Frankenstein Furbies, <laughs> where they just, like, make nightmare concoctions. It's like, look how long this Furby is. It's eight feet long. I fed it's him like... after midnight and got him wet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he sees Gizmo, this little mogwai dude, and it's like, oh, I gotta have him for, for my son's Christmas, and... And the shop owner is just like, fuck you, no. You don't know what you're doing. He's like, no, I want to buy him. I'm going to give you 200 bucks because that's like, you know, I could use 200 bucks. But also it's like an absurd amount of money in 84, I guess, for for this kind of a purchase. Totally. And the uh, grandson of the shopkeeper is just like, yeah, he calls him grandpa, so of course. Uh, He's like, meet me in the alleyway. We really need the money. And so he sells him Gizmo for the 200 bucks. And the dad goes home to small town America, which is really done up, like, you know, by design, of course, as, like, small town happy thing. It's got that It's a Wonderful Life vibe going for mm-hmm. it right from the beginning. It's uh, It almost feels like you're on a ride in Disneyland and you're going through Christmas land. Like, that's how it looks. And we get introduced to the narrator's son, who is the main character, I guess, of this movie, uh, Billy. Working at the bank, hanging out with with his the dog. girly he's crushing on with his dog and all that, and you know it's very nuclear family. It's um, it's almost like that weird sort of fifties nostalgia without the gross politics attached necessarily. Yeah, I mean they're not at the forefront. Yes, I would say is maybe fetishistic in how much it it lionizes this as opposed to just like the culture today like it's not it's not looking at it as a as egregious loss or anything it's just like yeah this still exists in small towns mm-hmm. um or so we'd like to believe <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah but you know like take out the racism and all that but it's like wait i forgot about mr putterman <laughs> uh, or mr futterman or whatever his name is that's right um you're thinking of sherman putterman who we're here to arrest <laughs> <laughs> i definitely am God damn. Sherman Putterman's a lot more memorable. Uh, well, you say that, but you don't have the context that um, Mr. Futterman is played by, God, what's his name? I think Dick Smith or something like that. Not the effects guy, but the character actor. And he's just in all of these movies. Mm. He's he's ubiquitous. He's the janitor in Chopping Mall. He's the gun store uh. clerk in Terminator. He just shows up everywhere. And when you see him, you're just like, oh, hello, old friend. He's the last generation's like Uncle Larry. 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I don't know if he was the mad producer. Like, I gotta imagine with Larry Fessenden, he funds these movies with, like, in the contract, it's like, I'm in it. And it's like, <laughs> I kind of love that for you, dude. <laughs> but yeah, so we get this nice small town, and it's uh, right before Christmas, and all that fun, fun jazz. And the dad comes home to the family that, you know, a lot of time is spent showing how his inventions are total dog shit garbage because none of them work and they always blow up in these almost slapsticky cartoony ways and they're supposed to make things faster and easier but instead they make them take a million yeah times longer even if they worked as intended it's not making life better mm. <laughs> it, it actually feels like a scathing comment on 2021 so you know like, like on, in, on a capitalist innovation yeah. rewarding innovation <laughs> Yeah, basically, basically, he was he was doing NFTs before the rise of the internet. That's what he was doing. It's just like, yeah, it's a thing, but it didn't It'll need totally to be. make your life better. <laughs> yeah, um, he comes home with a gift, and he's just like, "Yo, Billy, open your gift. It won't wait till Christmas." And it's a little gizmo in there, and they're stoked about it uh, because uh, okay, first off, it's also like, why the hell is no one? more shocked by, oh, here's a new species of mammal, or marsupial, I can't tell, is he a marsupial? Like, I don't know. Oh, he's a poach, but then he's a boy, yeah. I think, so, I don't know. Or maybe he's a platypus, but they, anyway. But they also oh, he, he does lay so... eggs, so he's like a platypus. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but you're right, asexual reproduction, that's true. Almost spawns like a fish, so who knows what the hell... <laughs> Basically, he's if you throw a Furby and, like, a salmon farm in the telepod from the fly. That's this guy. Why well, doesn't spawn? Because he, he spawns like a video game character. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, a... spawn in that sense, not spawn yeah. as in, like, fertilize some eggs outside Well, that's what I mean, like, like, the spawning of the, 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 the other guys. I guess, yeah. Um, but yeah, no one is shocked at this new species. They're just like, what is it? It's like, it's called a mogwai. Cool. <laughs> That rules. And it's like, you're not wrong, but I would be a little more shook. I would think. But yeah. maybe they're like, oh, yeah, every, everybody has one of these over in China or wherever they're from. <laughs> yeah, that might be the... The unspoken, like... Yeah. Unspoken. Oh, yeah, this, this is probably... We're, we're just... Well, when I get into my these. analysis of gremlins, I'm, it's, you know, you're, you're paving the way. So he gets the, the mogwai, and they learn quickly that there are three rules to um, caring for them. Uh, you can't get them wet. You can't feed them after midnight, and no bright light, sunlight will kill them. And I also love how there's no explanation. Like, I know the guy was just giving the quick run down the alley, like the kid mm -hmm. was. But, you know, they get told, like, sunlight will kill them. It's like, okay, so no light because it hurts them and it's fatal. But then it's just like, don't feed them after midnight. Why? Just don't fuck it. Just trust me. Just don't, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Sure enough, little dude gets wet gets splooshed by Corey Feldman, who, yeah. who who is even more over this new species than everyone else. He's just like shows up like, it's so cool, can I can I have it? It's like, no, you can't. He's just like, oh okay. And then he just uh, pours water on it and it reproduces a bunch and there's all these little mogwais everywhere. And then he's just like, that's cool, and just goes to reading a 3D comic. <laughs> just like, this is doper, this over comic it. that I, I I've had. <laughs> and so there's all these mogwais and a lot of them are dicks. They're unruly. They can't be controlled. They are... They're uh, kind of mean. They're mean. They're, they're seen as unlikable, unlike the, 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 the goody two-shoes um, gizmo. And they eventually eat after midnight, which makes them turn into these weird, yucky egg sacs <laughs> that uh, are all goopy. And, of course, uh, in the meantime, um, 
Billy takes one of the mogwais to his science professor, and rather than just be like, hey, it multiplied, I have two of these now, two or more, he instead pours water on it to make more. So there's, We have to demonstrate it. Yeah. The, a man of science is an empiricist. He needs to see it happen. Ah, good call. <laughs> and he's also, like, very uh, Cartesian, and he's just like, hmm, maybe I should vivisect this boy. Yes. But, of course, you know, that, that I believe, the main reason for including the uh, scientist plot in there was specifically so they could do the uh, old... 80s tradition of killing the black guy first because oh, that is yes. 100% what happens in this movie mm-hmm. there's unless I'm misremembering there's literally one black person in this movie and he is the first to die one with a name anyway I guess. yeah that's for yeah. there could extras sure but like as far as like a character like, who actually yeah. does stuff yeah so you know that that's where we're at that's what we're operating at with this movie and of course it eats after midnight turns into a little moldy lizard boy <laughs> and uh they're like, the gremlins are like if a Furby fucks a salamander, that's what you got here. So all the, the, the gremlins hatch at home, and probably one of my favorite sequences in the movie when the mom's just icing them all. It's great. <laughs> she's just like making, like, doing her, her Christmas prep, and all these gremlins attack, and she just shows how hard she is. Like, that mom is so headstrong, it's just nuts. She, like, kicks them into the blender, kicks one into the microwave. Yeah, she goes um, pretty hard. Yeah, she goes hard. This movie kind of goes hard. That's where the Joe Danteism, I imagine, comes into this, because uh, they decapitate a gremlin that's hiding in a Christmas tree, and its head goes in the fire and just starts yelling at them while it's melting, and it's like, this rules. It's very Chucky. It's very Chucky, yeah. I think you said that when we are watching Probably it, too. Probably yeah. seconds giving Chucky. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, what, what follows is uh, Billy is trying to stop the gremlins, and of course the leader of the mean gremlins jumps into a pool. And multiplies a whole bunch, so there's gremlins all over town, and shit goes off the rails. And, you know, like, I, as I'm bagging on it through this, it's like, I actually very much enjoy this movie, but, you know, when you start to pick at it, you're like, oh, okay, uh-oh. Like, ah, oh. oh, so Stripe, or whatever they call him, is a masochist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He likes the pain. Um, Cause Gizmo is like, ow, 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 <laughs> he gets wet. And Stripe is just like, fuck you. <laughs> Stripe, uh, you know, like, like they, they opened the box and Stripe came with such sights to show you. Mm. Um, Jesus wept. Jesus did weep. So that's, I generally, I got the basic plot there. I yeah. dare say. Yeah, okay. So what this movie is really doing, and I will die on this hill. That, that was a choice. I will die on this hill, is uh, it's actually a pro-respectability politics uh, racialized examination of capitalism. Go on. Go on? Okay. Well, you know, as I said in my illuminating review, uh, Gizmo represents respectability politics, and this movie is an allegory of colonialism under capitalism. And what I mean by that is the origin of Gizmo and the gremlins and all that is the dude literally goes to this, like, very orientalist kind of, like, trope of uh, Eastern culture. And they're like, no, you can't have this because you you white people are not ready. That's literally what he says at the end. He's just like, you're not ready for this shit. I told you you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just like, well, I've got to have it, so I'm going to throw money at it. And it's just like, it's not for sale. He's like, oh, I think that's enough money, so I'm going to buy it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like, the grandson kind of represents the... um, the bootlickers who will step on the necks of, wow. of the <laughs> to, uh, to it's like, oh, I can get some money off this. 
yeah, I'll sell out. Well, I don't, I don't know if he's a sellout because I mean he. No, I, I was gonna say he's, it, it, yeah, you, he, he actually has his grandpa's best interest. Yeah, in there's some, co- there's some economic coercion yes, at play. Absolutely, but but it is ultimately it is sort of like a colonial kind of absolutely yeah uh, but taking i think of their culture yes. and repurposing but i don't it. know that he's he's as, as willing of a i will say man. i was very much being facetious when <laughs> i call him a bootlicker <laughs> um so yeah so he takes them back and you know there's the whole like broken telephone thing going where it's like oh i i was told how to respect this custom this this thing mm-hmm. this cultural thing i'm just gonna like you know give the cliff notes and of course we're just gonna and hand fuck it to it a up. teenager yeah immediately yeah it's 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 very a uh, christmas story with ralphie where it's just like once the bb gun it's like no you'll shoot your eye out then they finally give it to when he shoots his fucking eye out and it's just like <laughs> fucking told you but when they 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 fuck up and multiply the uh the mogwai they realize oh this isn't a creature or or you know a cultural aspect that we can just control mm-hmm. and enforce you know and they immediately think all the other mogwais that don't adhere to this, like, nice, um, palatable version of how they've idealized it, they think they're evil. They think they're bad news, and they think it's not good that they're around, whereas Gizmo is the face of respectability politics. It's like, Gizmo's the good one. Gizmo's the hegemonic mogwai. Yeah. But, yeah. um... You that... know, like, basically when he's killing all the, all the, like, gremlins at the end, he's just like, I have a mogwai for a friend! <laughs> You know, like, that's that's what he's saying. That being said, when they all multiply, the dad sees it as a business opportunity of, like, Columbusing the Mogwai. Yep. And is it's like, I'm going to, like... Pure exploitation. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to make a bunch of these, and I'm going to brand them under my name. It'll be the best yeah. invention ever and make me rich. And mm-hmm. it's my discovery. Yeah. But but they're they're easily controlled at that point because, mm-hmm. you know, they're these little furry guys. They're little furbies, yeah, they're just as you said. Dicks. They can't they're do not, much. Yeah. Um, so, essentially, the act of eating after midnight mirrors the act of unionizing because the gremlins (laughs) the gremlins are now the lizard scaly dudes that actually have bargaining power in that they'll eat your face off that's you know they didn't have that before empowered labor (laughs) yeah because they're doing so much labor the second they unionize so basically the peltzers are amazon okay and as soon as the gremlins unionize (laughs) hold on i got this i got this as soon as they unionize they're like we have to stamp this out we have to destroy this. This is a scourge on the town, you know. And, um, I mean, that's never better exemplified than who's the one person that we see the gremlins actually kill on screen. It's the lady who owns half the town and is keeping everyone in debt kind of thing. Mm. You know, it's the cruel, like, like high upper class lady who, who uses money as a cruelty to keep people oppressed. She's the one that they take out, and it's just like, hell yeah, Comrade Stripe. (laughs) So this movie kind of fucks in a lot of ways on that ground. It's weird because it seems to have class consciousness, but then the happy ending is it's like... Recuperates it. Yeah, we've managed to suppress this this uprising, you know? Like, we're meant to be on the side of the bourgeoisie rather than the proletariat, and that is what is happening at the heart of Gremlins, which is why it's such a conflicting watch. But at the same time... They do realize their Orientalism was shitty because the guy comes back and he's like, we're taking this back, you know? So it's just like... You can't handle this. Yeah. And it's like, I wish that's kind of like how, how life would go, where it's just like, hey, colonialism was actually shitty. Let's, like, stop. That is my understanding of the movie Gremlins. Thoughts on all of that? <laughs> yeah, those are thoughts. <laughs> I feel like I gave my commentary throughout. Yeah, you did, you did. Um... um what do I have to do about Gremlins? Oh, I, I 
work at the library right now and my branch had a blu-ray copy of gremlin so i snuck it into our christmas nice. display and uh, this dad comes up and was like oh man this movie oh gremlins that's such a dad thing to do like <laughs> like i think that the dads love gremlins. dads love gremlins. gremlins is dad culture <laughs> yes and he's like goes up to his kids like teenage kids like oh have you seen this and they're like yeah and he's like well, how have you seen this? It's an old movie. But I also feel like, you know, dad culture will be, how have you seen this? You show it to us every year, dad. Yeah. Like, that would also be That'd dad be culture. Dad, that would be my dad culture. <laughs> <laughs> or my dad, Gremlin's top five movie. Yes. <laughs> List of 80 top five movies. Yeah, like, you know, that, like, a thousand and one movies to see before you die. If my dad were, it would just be called top five movies. <laughs> and it would be the same length. <laughs> a couple things that I noticed about this. I, I don't know if I ever actually really paid attention to this, but people have seen Gremlins too know that the returning cast are um the main dude and uh what's the love interest name played by phoebe gates i don't remember okay i don't remember her the character name but phoebe gates and uh and i don't remember the main character's actor name so (laughs) billy peltzer and phoebe gates hanging out just go with it um the other returning characters i mean actors because gizmo's in it obviously Mm -hmm. are uh the futtermans and it's very interesting how they kind of retconned that, because if you actually pay attention to the text that is Gremlins, they fucking die. <laughs> they just get fucking killed. It's just like, you know, a bulldozer is about to smash them into paste against the wall, and it's like, this movie isn't as Looney Tunes as Gremlins too, in the sense that, you know, they, they go a little out there with the things that happen, like um, the lady on the the motorized chair up the railing going hyperspeed out the window. It's like, yeah, that's kind of cartoony, <laughs> but she dies at the end. Yeah. And so it's not like she gets up and there's like the little Tweety Birds going Yeah, she's just squashed head. against the wall yeah. and then like, and then just like, like, like sticks her thumb in her mouth and, and reinflates <laughs> yeah. herself. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That's something that could happen in Gremlins 2, but not yeah. Gremlins 1. And then, you know, like, we don't see it on screen, but I think that's more because this is a PG Steven Spielberg movie. Totally. Like, knowing Joe Dante, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, oh man, I made the prosthetic head popping. Yeah. And we don't get to use some it. Cu- some footage that was cut somewhere. Yeah, the, the <laughs> X-rated hard cut of uh, Gremlins. Um, and then when they get the call, they're like, oh my god, there's an accident at the Futterman's. And they, they don't talk like she's en route to the hospital or anything like that. It's just like the severity of like, it's too grim to talk about how fucking dead they are at yes. Christmas. <laughs> uh, and so they, fake they their just death. fucking die. No, they and, fake their deaths well, to go join it. the underground revolution of the Gremlins. Of Gremlins too. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true that they're, um, you know, it's just like some pictures taken by a CIA drone shows them in the, the drunk jungles of Gremlandia. And they're like, yes, comrades, we will rise again. I mean, think about it. It's not called the Kremlin for nothing. Ooh. Rhymes. Think about it. Um, but they're back in Gremlins too, and it's one of those things. Like I'm not saying how dare they. They're fun characters in Gremlins too, and uh, you know, just like a racist dipshit. Like it's got this sort of like mild all in the family vibe going for them in uh, Gremlins one. But rather than learning to love others and all that being the lesson, it's just like, oh, okay, well if you don't like that, uh, we're gonna uprise you with your own bulldozer. But they're back in Gremlins 2, so maybe the, the the universe of Gremlins 2 is what resurrected them. The, the universe where the movie can just fuck up halfway through and then Hulk Hogan yells at the Gremlins for ruining the movie and then the movie resumes because Hulk Hogan was there inexplicably. <laughs> that is the world of Gremlins 2 and I, I very much enjoy it. So did you just um, accidentally out yourself as the person who runs the Institute of Gremlins 2 studies? <laughs> if only I had that power. <laughs> right. 
Um, but I mean, another reading that maybe I'll save for another day uh, to do with this movie is I feel like, you know, if we're talking underground uh, movements and all that stuff and things seen as threats to the establishment, it's a very anti-Catholic film. Ooh. You can't baptize a gremlin. Ooh. You know? Ooh. Unless that's a comment on, like, the Quiverful movement. We will baptize you, and then there will be more of you. Yes. Yes. The gremlins are the Duggars. That's why we have... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cut that comment out or bleep over it, because I think I think that would get me in <laughs> Um, But, yeah, I, I really like this movie, even if I am being a total dipshit about it. Uh, I really like Gremlins. It's a it's a fun for a reason. One thing I didn't like is uh, I got the 4K of it. It did not look good. Mm. Like the picture quality sucked. <laughs> you watched it. It was like so muddy and yeah. blurry. And I'm thinking, I don't even know if I registered mentally that it was 4K. Exactly. It's supposed to be. Yeah, it's um. I think it because you know like it's a, a format that companies that do it well, it looks amazing. Yeah. But then there's companies that it's just like. Let's just blow up the DVD print for the 4K or something like that. That's kind of what this looked like. I don't know. Maybe it's just the state of the negative. Maybe. Or maybe it's partly how it was shot. But it's like, i got to imagine you could have made this look better. Oh, well. You know, that is like the first world is problem. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's Gremlins. Uh, I assume you enjoy Gremlins. I love Gremlins. Like you said, it's a classic. And I won't even put the, sca- the scare quotes around it. It's no, it is. It's, it's great. I, I genuinely love this movie. Yeah. So I guess that's that on that. And with that, we'll go to our next movie, which, uh, what are we watching next? Or what did we watch next? We watched Krampus Ah, 2015. I think uh, the connection between why we paired these is fairly obvious in that I think for modern Christmas horror, Krampus is probably like the best Gremlins-like movie Full of mischief. Yeah, full of mischief. And whimsy. And whimsy, yes. Dark whimsy, yes. Okay, cool, cool. So, uh, what is Krampus? Krampus, well, is a Germanic deity. <laughs> I meant the movie. <laughs> I don't even know if deity is the right word. Figure, folkloric figure, yeah. I think would be the better word. Um, so in the movie, we have a family that's getting together for Christmas. You have the, you know, young starry-eyed boy who yeah. still believes in Santa and everything and wants his family together and have a wonderful Christmas season of family values and love. Yeah. And his family is, like, not super here for that, um, especially the extended family the cousins and stuff. Yeah, when the extended family shows up, I got very much like a Christmas vacation vibe with mm-hmm. the, the family warring. That's another shout out to you, Dad. I know you love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it's the the tension between like wanting this idealized, like, why can't we just be happy for Christmas and realizing like, why do we do this every year? We fucking hate each other. Yeah. And oh, well, you know, family, it's, it's what family does. And so it kind of breaks the poor little guy, Max, I think is his name. Yeah. Poor yeah, little Max's Christmas spirit. Poor little Maxi Pad. Maxi Pad. I, right. I kind of realize that the podcast listener can never see my scare quotes, and yet I use them. <laughs> sometimes liberally. you can hear them. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I make a point of uh, pointing out, yeah. like in case you can't hear the air moving between my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, Max loses his Christmas spirit, mm-hmm. and he, you know, tears up his letter to Santa, throws it out the window in the dramatic wind. All of this. And 
they wake up the next morning and there's like the biggest blizzard they've ever seen in their life. Yeah. And the that, power's out. I was wondering, like, is this set in like Edmonton? Because that is, that is <laughs> or like Denver so, maybe. Yeah. But like, that's so the weather. Here yeah. Sometimes where it's just, I remember times where it's like, uh, I think the worst we ever had is it was like in the positives and it dropped like minus 40 overnight Ooh. kind of thing. This was a while back. That sounds like when the When I was like, in, in high school, it's just like, yeah winter all at once <laughs> woohoo um so yeah big blizzard powers out uh everyone's kind of worried they like along with the power i think there's maybe like a bit of like radio reception that they can get but yeah that's about it for their connection to the outside world so yeah we see that when the the daughter she's like trying to skype her boyfriend yeah he yeah, kind of texts him or something yeah. and so she wants to go over to his house to yeah. to like check on him because his family's supposed to be there or whatever and um and then I, th- I can't remember if it's, if it's at this point that, like, Max notices, like, that like, creepy snowman on the, the front. Yeah, lawn. yeah. And he's like, who built that? That That's guy crops weird. up fast, and then they just kind of drop it for quite a long time yeah. before they come back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this older sister, she, yeah, she goes out to the boyfriend's house, and on the way encounters Krampus. And uh, yes. it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and so we... Um, don't really know what happens to her. Yeah, because he leaves, like, that, uh, what is that, like, Pop Goes the Weasel, like, wind-up toy box. Yeah. And uh, it starts, like, winding on its own or whatever. Yeah, and then we don't, we don't really see her again. Yep. So, probably nothing good happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you actually die of Krampus, you probably die of exposure, but... Well, that's why this movie goes a little hard sometimes, is it's, like, you know, it is definitely, like, sort of, like, family horror. Like it's, yeah, it's, like, it has a goofiness to it, but it's yeah. also, when it's dark, it's dark. Yeah, but, like, I mean, I think it's appropriate for, yeah. like, you know, like, this is a good movie you could show your kids if they had an interest in getting into horror yeah. kind of thing. Of, and of, uh, of, or of the right age. Yeah, but when it goes dark, it, it does go dark, yeah. and I think that's one of the things that makes it so obvious this is by the guy who did Trick or Treat. Because mm-hmm. that movie pulls that too. Like, you know, everyone is so scandalized when you kill a child in a movie. And it's like, trick or treat is just full of child <laughs> slaughter. Like, wall to wall child slaughter. Right. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, that movie's great. <laughs> yeah, so um, at, in all of this struggling to survive the cold and everything, um, the family, you know, comes together a bit more and realizes that they, you know, puts aside their differences and realizes more what they have in common and heartwarming, all that stuff. And, um, there's a character, the, the grandma who's, or Omi, as they call her, because she's, Mm -hmm. she's German. She seems to know what's going on, but she's kind of keeping to herself and is just insisting like, okay, make sure the fire stays hot in the fireplace. And it's revealed that as a child, she had an encounter with Krampus, uh-huh. where um, back in her like you know little village in Germany or whatever, um, she had a similar experience to Max, lost her Christmas spirit, and made a wish for it all to go away. And Krampus came and granted her wish, right. and took her family, and then left her as a reminder of what had to ever you know sort of like a a warning to others of this is which is also happens. very hard or it's just yeah. like you stay alive so you can tell the people what i've done yes little orphan it's very like edgelord late 90s serial killer movie kind of yeah yeah tell the people <laughs> tell them of my crimes yes with your little krampus ornament I'm so like, i don't know what my krampus voice is yeah to be. like it's interesting that's for sure and so we you know there's of course the like, oh, this is just a fairy tale of a crazy old woman, blah, 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 until shit starts going down, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, oh, we might know what she's talking about. Yeah. 
So Tommy, don't fuck around. No, and so yeah, there's some, yeah, some creepy, some funny, some usually a combination of the two, fighting between with like Krampus and all of his little henchmen and shit. I love that's one one of the things I really love about this movie was the the henchmen. Yeah, stuff. it's like, not just Krampus. It was great monster design. Yes, it was really good, and that's another thing where it's like this goes pretty hard for something family oriented because. Honestly, if I saw this when I was, before I got into horror, like, if this was an early one for me, it would have scared the shit out of me. Right. Those things in the attic. I oh, yeah, especially, done. like, the toys and stuff? Yeah, yeah, like, those, yeah. those guys. Like, the, fuck the, a kid the right up. clown who's got, like, the predator job yeah. on hinges. Creepy as shit. I love it, because it's so good. Like, yes. the movie, you know, it's, um... It takes things that should be safe and fun and, and whatever yeah. and makes them kind of terrifying. It works at both. It works as a comedy in that the jokes are genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. And it also works as a horror movie in the sense that it tries to be horrific. Yes, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, as the family's getting picked off, at some point, the Max, he tries to, you know, make a deal with Krampus and say, like, you know, take me instead. I want them back. They don't deserve this. Yeah. I take back my wish seemingly maybe he gets well he gets picked up okay at this point in the movie just just uh not to step on your toes too much or anything but um it all the uh parents like the main characters who we thought would survive are just getting pulled into the snow by this monster it's like they're all gone it is just max left and you realize he's like the one one cousin maybe yeah uh she gets taken too that's what max goes and sees that she's like getting cast into the fires of hell yeah um and Krampus throws Max down there, and then he wakes up. Yeah, and it's all just been a bad dream. Yeah. Or has it? Well, that's the thing that I really liked about this, is um, it does that thing where it's like, wow, that got exceedingly dark with everyone dying. It's like, okay, so he's going to be able to undo it. And then he seemingly does to the point where it almost does the, it's all a dream. Mm-hmm. And I would say this makes the ending way more horrifying than mm-hmm. if they all just literally died, because they realize they're stuck in a purgatory of feigned acceptance of each other. Like, you know, mm. they, they genuinely see happy in this way that's like, my wish came true. But how long is that going to last? And then the second everyone realizes. Yeah, like, cause like, you, uh, I love that beat where they could have yes. just ended coming out of the snow globe and you're like, something's going on. Yeah, but, and they're just like, they haven't realized it but yet. I love the beat where there's just a silence as everyone's face slightly drops as they mm-hmm. just realize, like, oh, oh we, we got fucked by Krampus and now this is our eternity or yeah. something. And it's like, oh, God, that's dark. I have, like, goosebumps just talking yeah. about it. I love it. It's such a good, yeah. It's, it's I, I thought that was such a great ending to this mm-hmm. movie, especially because there's so many things that could have gone wrong there. Like, the, I woke up and it's all a dream. And then, uh, haha, the random plot twist where it's like, and everything was a snow globe. Like, we're watching Saint Elsewhere or something and the whole <laughs> soap opera is in this kid's imagination. Yeah. But... That beat, like, says so much. Just that silence. And it just shows um, how good writing. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will call that good writing because, you know, no one says anything and you just know. Like, mm-hmm. just like, oh, just fuck. Just dread. And uh, what can I say? I think existential horror is the most horrific kind of horror. It's the realist, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah so uh, this was one that, yeah. So that's what is Krampus. What is Who Krampus? is Krampus? Who is Krampus? Yeah, Krampus. I mean, I admit I didn't do a lot of research, but yeah, Germanic, like, folklore yeah. kind of character associated with Yule and with Christmas. Yeah. Um, Krampus so, is not, like, the guy with the blackface minions, is he? I don't think so. That's, that, that's, that's Sinterklaas, That's Sinterklaas, right? I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah, that's Dutch. That's the, the racist one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, Krampus is, he's sort of 
from what I've seen, like old man face, sort of like goat or some kind of like hoofed creature. Oh god, the design on Krampus in this is so good. Yeah, the the face. Oh my god, yeah, it's this like agonized, like yeah, like halfway to half dead almost looking. Like yeah, creepy as hell. It's so good. And um, yeah, one thing that. I, I don't know if this is a Krampus thing specifically, but I remember when, seeing in the movie when he's, like, thumping around on the roofs of houses. Yeah. Um, I remember... I I don't remember who it was or what it was about, but when I t- was taking one of... I think it was the Scandinavian folklore class that I took, there was a, a some kind of tale that involved some entity or creature that had was malevolent, and it yeah. was, like, thumping around on the rooftop. And so okay. I, I, but I don't remember think, thinking like it was, it was wintry of but course, but I don't remember here's thinking an elephant, if it was like an elephant. Wow. Here, here's an element that's in there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's cross like Germanic. It's like, yeah. it's going to be cultural crossover and stuff. And, in and I like the way they and... use tradition where she's just like, we have to keep the fire hot. And yes. you know, in one sense it's a survival thing, but we also have seen Krampus can just punch the wall down. And yeah. So there's that sort of like, if we keep the fire hot, it keeps the Krampus at bay. Yes. And um, I like those little touches in there. Definitely. Because yeah. I'm sure that's something that, like, people would have grown up with. Or, would, yeah. like, the, the, the sense of, like, fire is protection. It also gives me that, in a very dark way, and this just shows how much of an edge lord I was in high school, but that whole, like, Axeman of New Orleans, where, like, that actual serial killer mm. is murdering people. And then was just all, like... I'm going to kill again tonight, but I won't strike anywhere that has jazz music playing. Right. And then everyone's just like, fuck, let's load up the houses with jazz. And, like, no one died that night or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, that, that, that is where my uh, Swiss cheese brain went. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, they, they tell you. I mean, worst that's going to happen is they lied, but at yeah. least you tried. <laughs> well, in the real world, one, that has horrifying consequences. Yeah. That that I, that's a, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, and he grabs a little puny guy, and he's just like, "Remember when I said I'd kill you last?" He's like, "Wait, yeah, you did say that." He goes, "I lied," and like throws him off a cliff. Well, then you know he's dead, and he doesn't have to worry anymore. Wow, turns out the existential dread was in all was in us all along. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we talked a bit about how we like that Krampus had all of his little minions. His little and homies, stuff. Yeah. And um, I didn't... I don't know how much of that is part of, like, the traditional folklore and sort of, like, actually associated with Krampus versus how much was... Just borrowed. Borrowed, yeah. maybe from elsewhere. And it wasn't until the credits were playing that I saw all of these, like, Icelandic and, like, Old Norse-looking names of characters. And I yeah. was like... Hold on. Because uh, I believe Krampus is, like you said, Germanic. Like, it's from, like, Germany and Austria and stuff like that. Whereas, yeah, this is very Scandi. These were some very, like, Icelandic and or, like, Norse-looking names. And I say that, like, from having, you know, studied that a bit. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, like, there is crossover in terms, like, um, the, like, what is it, the Great migration period and so like that's where a lot of like you have proto-germanic um entities like woden and stuff which like odin comes from so yeah. like, there is absolutely crossover oh, linguistically yeah, absolutely. culturally everything but then yeah iceland iceland is a kind of isolated yeah that <laughs> and, sounds real nice right about now <laughs> uh yeah yes and no because i mean their weather's probably gonna be just as shit as ours just as <laughs> that's true and so yeah there were the all so i um we took a screenshot of these all these names and I was like okay I'm gonna look these up and see yeah. like the Icelandic ones specifically because there were some that 
were like clumpy lumpy whatever <laughs> yeah fun <laughs> side note lumpy i think it is is played by seth green that's right yeah, i, I don't know who name. lumpy was back to the icelanders <laughs> please um so i yeah did a little bit of internet sleuthing and found out that there are uh okay i'm gonna do my best at pronouncing this forgive right. me if we have any any Icelandic speakers? Uh, I don't know. When we were there, <laughs> they they thought that you should know perfectly. That's true. They, they, just... they would walk up to me and you know with my blonde hair. Yeah, I remember at the city hall, they just walked up to us and tried to tell us that the presentation was starting we in Icelandic. Like, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank we don't you. Understand. We're not from here. Yeah. Um, but there are these characters, figures, the Yolasveinar. Okay. That are the Yule lads. And there are 13 of them. Sounds so British. Just a bunch of lads. <laughs> the Yule lads. And they're like, so they're like 13 like little Santas. Well, I don't know if little is the right word, but because they're, they are associated with like trolls and stuff. So they're kind of, you know, mischiefy. And they, se- on... they seem little compared to Krampus in the movie. Yes. Yes. And so there's 13 of them and they visit on each of the 13 nights leading up to Christmas. Right. And so not all 13 are in the movie, but I think I counted nine, and so I have I have their names and what they do and um, what days they show up. Uh-huh. So the first one on December twelfth is Stekjastar, and he's the sheep coat clawed. Not quite sure what that means, but he shows up on the twelfth. Okay, so we missed him. <laughs> yeah. Because what's today? It's the twentieth. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, then on the 13th, uh, the name translated to Gulligok, it's Gilyagar. Um, I don't know what Gulligok means. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's just his name. And then the third one that shows up, uh, we skip ahead to the 15th, and Thor Ruslekir, Spoon Licker. You know, like your spoons. You know, like your spoons. Or just. You know, that person who fundamentally is bad at spooning. It's like, please stop licking me. We were spooning. <laughs> uh, the fourth one, we skip ahead to December 18th. Hertha Skellier is the door slammer. Door slammer. And so it's okay, that's getting into the, like, the mischief and the, you know, freaking people out oh, and stuff. Oh, I think like, that in the dude movie. is here all the time in this place. The amount of times I hear, like, doors slamming and, like, thumps in this place. Loved Old house in the suburbs. Love to be haunted. Yeah. Um, on December 20th, Today. our fifth guy shows up. Bugna Kraker Sausage Swiper. Oh, well, that, that ship has sailed for me. <laughs> <laughs> and the sixth one uh, will show up tomorrow on the 21st. Gluga Gagir. Uh, he is the window peeper. Getting a little Edward Cullen up in this bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah, local neighborhood pervert. Yep. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm with Santa. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's totally normal that I'm creeping on your kids' windows. I like to think that these are just all oddly specific perverts who came up with excuses on the fly. Well, you you want pervert. Um, the next one that shows up on the 22nd is Gata Thefur, who is the doorway sniffer. <laughs> doorway sniffer. That's what it says. <laughs> that, that sounds like, that's like got the energy of the Baltimore foot stomper. Totally. You know? Yeah. And then December 24th, uh, Kerta Sneaker shows up as the candle stealer. Okay. And then on the... Where's our last one here? On the... Oh, whoops, sorry, I did that in the wrong order. I have them ordered wrong here. On the 23rd, pardon me, Ket Kroker shows up, and that's Meat Hook. 
Right, you're the face you made. I'm just like, I'm just like Candyman. Oh my god, that takes a turn. It's just like I'm gonna sniff your doors and and I'm gonna like make it. I'm gonna shut the door. Look at me. Yeah. I'm just like I got a meat hook. Yeah. So sorry, I put, I put these in the wrong it's order. It's the leather here. leather face just shows up. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I remember reading that um, sheep coat clawed guy is the first one to show up and then the first one to leave on Christmas. I guess, you know, that, that that tracks. I don't got no sheep. Yeah. What you gonna do? Yeah, so those... So now I almost want to, like... I don't want to rewatch it again so soon, but I want to, like, go in, and now that I like kind of know what to be looking Try for... Try and figure out who's who. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, you, you skipped one. Oh, yeah, well, okay, because there are 13, and there are only nine in the movie. Okay. But when I was looking at the 13, yeah, it was one of those, like, tag yourself, I'm... <laughs> and I found, for me, my personal, like... I Yule lad, I am definitely like the skier stealer. Yeah, that that's tracks. <laughs> he just comes in and wants to eat all your skier. That is absolutely me. I like probably came close to crying tears of joy when it finally became available in Canada at the grocery store. Right, because you were eating that in Berlin. Or? No, I'd I'd get it in this. There, I well, I would get it in the states, and I was like, oh, this is oh, like the best okay, shit okay. ever. So I remember we were able to get it. Yeah, in Europe, yeah, obviously. yeah. Well, yeah. I remember like the, when I flew to uh, I, I went when I went to Italy and. Then, yeah, Berlin from there in 2015, I took Iceland Air, and they just, like, straight up had skier for sale, like, on the menu on the plane, and I was so happy. <laughs> and then I think on the way back, I even bought some in the airport and was like, I'm trying a new flavor. I love the planes there. Like, I remember doing the easy jet flights from, like, uh, London to, well, Berlin, the time that I went to, to the film festival, mm-hmm. and it was like, I don't normally buy things on the flights. Right. Especially, it's, you know, it's not that long, but, you know, they, they hand out the menu, and it's just like... Brewdog Punk IPA. Nice. And it's like, Air Canada has Molson. <laughs> I, I will I will buy a beer <laughs> at totally. premium because it's good beer. But yeah, I don't remember what year it was. I think um, I might even still been in my undergrad, but Superstore of all places started selling like a like Loblaws brand skier. And that was like the only I'd That's ever seen. right. I remember how hyped like, you were when yeah, they started doing so that. Happy. Yeah, and then finally, Siggy's came here, which yeah, is the Siggy's. brand that I loved in the States. Um, yeah. But they don't have all the flavors, unfortunately. Like, I re- there's a... I can't remember if it's like Wildberry, Mixed Berries, something like that that I really like there, and we don't have I it here. I always when that like Halo Top. I want the pistachio. Right. Bring it. Bring yeah. it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, a li- I'm a little skier fiend. I'm a little and skier I, fiend. So, yes, if I was a, a Yule lad, yeah. that would be me. <laughs> which Yule lad would you be? The Yule Lads. Oh, I'm going to pull up a lit, the Yule list. Yule Lad sounds like, you know, like a Christmas version of, like, skins or something like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, Yule Lad, in it, gonna go dogging. So you can be Sheep Coat Clawed, Gully Gawk, Stubby, Spoon Licker, Pot Scraper, Bowl Licker. Oh, that would also be me, honestly. Yeah. I always like the bowl. Uh-huh. Door Slammer. Sk- yeah, Skier Gobbler. That's it. Skier Gamur. You are definitely the Skier Gobbler. <laughs> Sausage swiper, window peeper, doorway sniffer, meat hook, and candle stealer. Honestly, the door sniffer. <laughs> I mean, like, my sense of smell is ridiculous, and that sucks having three cats. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can, I'm like, uh, with the sense of smell, I'm like one of those fucking guys in the tub in a Minority Report, where it's just like, I can future crime sense when the cat's about to go take a shit. <laughs> But yeah, we got our Yule Lads, we got our Gremlins. It's pretty got good. Got our Krampus. Pretty good week. Got our Krampus. Got our uh, 
fuck that weird angel thing that's cackling and uh, mm, yeah yeah oh the other thing is we watched the naughty cut which is the new one that screen factory put out that's oh. uncut so we'd never seen this before because it just came out that's why we're watching a 4k yeah yeah i'd only seen the other one once yeah i'd only uh, seen it once unless you watched it again so i don't know i don't know exactly what was different about it yeah. I, I there's one shot that i imagine wasn't in the original when they were um uh wrapping up the the like the 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 very like uh, rednecky dad who's mm-hmm. come to visit they're wrapping up his leg after getting like mauled and right. it's just like this bloody yeah. bite wound it's like okay that was probably one of the things cut otherwise probably. but yeah, yeah um i forgot kind of how hard this goes like we've been saying throughout but like when they're fighting the toys in the attic and there's that weird angel thing rather than just like shriek and like scratch at stuff like ambiguously literally wraps like a string of lights or something around Tony Collette's neck yeah. and just starts fucking hanging her. Yeah. It's like, good. Just going full strangulation. God, this movie goes hard. Mm-hmm. And then it goes hard the other way, too. I love when they just, like, shotgun its head off. <laughs> <laughs> it is good fun. Yeah, it's good fun. It, nice it's um, It doesn't go splattery hard like Asher's Evil Dead, but it has a kind of mischief yes. aspect to the, uh, to the carnage. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what we watched in preparation for our, our seasonal episode. Yeah, I feel like I, because I found out when I was, one day when I was working that there was actually a Krampus parade, like Krampus Knock parade in the city. Here? Yeah. Is that like a annual thing? Uh, that's what I, I'm thinking, because I know, I know. Well, Krampus, I'm definitely like, going next year. Yeah, well, because we didn't go this year because we went to the Eyes Wide Shut birthday party. Oh, that was. That was the same night. Otherwise I would have gone, but it was like, no, 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 I have a prior engagement. Okay, cool. Next year. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Tim, my coworker told me about it and how she was going out. I was like, well, I would go if I didn't have plans. Yeah. So, yeah, keep an eye out for next year. Yeah. So, I guess off those movies, we probably have a couple recommendations. Oh, yes. Why, yeah. Why don't you go ahead? Sure. Um, well, as far as, like, fun, mischievous, kind of zany Christmas shenanigans movies with a horror bent to them, mm-hmm. I figured I would recommend Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale from 2010. It's a Finnish movie. I've only one, seen it once. One of the few Finnish movies I've seen, which yes. I think makes me a bad Finn. <laughs> it's loads of fun from what I remember. Yeah, it's the one where like tons of Santas hang dong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that rules. Right? Like, how many, how many movies are brave enough? To let Santa hang dong. Yeah. Evil or, like, otherwise. Yeah. It was fun. That's one I definitely want to rewatch again. I should mm-hmm. pull that up. I'm going through my um, stack of Christmas movies right now. Nice. And uh need to add that to the pile, because I've only seen it once with you. Yeah. Whenever that was. <laughs> cool. Years at this point. Good, 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 uh, good suggestion. Thank yeah. you. Um, I had a hard time coming up with something that, you know, we haven't already covered or right. something like that. So I'm just going to go with Gremlins 2. Nice. It's not Christmas, eh. but it's Gremlins. And that's more important and, anyway. And um, I always waver back and forth on whether I like Gremlins or Gremlins 2 better. Mm. Because Gremlins, it kind of hits the horror a little bit better, and I like that about it. But Gremlins 2 is so fucking funny, and it's so clever in how it's funny that it's just like oh god like you like i could watch gremlins and be like that's the best one then i'll watch gremlins too that's the best one and just back and forth yeah forever. and the absurdity you have to appreciate yeah it i, I want to watch it again in this day and age it's been a few years now i've only seen it the once yeah. it was a few years ago but i'm thinking like daniel clamp 
like I I wonder if he was supposed to be sort of like a play on like Donald Trump, oh. that kind of figure. But this was before he even got into politics and all that stuff. Because this yeah. was ninety two, I think. Well, but I mean Donald Trump was like yeah. like he. Oh no, I know he existed, but I mean he wasn't like running like, for president. No, he wasn't know? running yeah. for president. But I mean he was like the caricature off of which so many like you know evil rich dudes were based. That, that's what in I mean. Movies. Yeah, like, so I like, would not be surprised was, uh, for a second. This was 1990, so yeah, even I think in the 80s. Oh yeah, no, I know case, he was so. around, but that's why I kind of want to rewatch it because uh, I think there has, you know, like times have changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so that's our our little Christmas thing. But I guess um, since it is our last episode of the year, mm-hmm. um, wild, yeah. This year was, I imagine, much like last year. We weren't going to the movies, mm. <laughs> sort of thing. There was, there's a, it was very weird release yeah. schedule. So I guess since we also missed last year end wrap up or anything like that, um, last couple of years has there been any like highlights for stuff you've seen, whether it's something we covered or not? Yeah, um, Titan for sure. That was probably my favorite of this year so far. Yeah. I haven't seen too many 2021 movies, Mm-mm. so you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, Psycho Core Man is also way up there. Yeah, when I say uh, Titan's my favorite of the year, uh, I am very much keeping in mind the 2020 release date for Psycho Gorman, even though that right. was just like a sort of festival thing. Yeah. And I'm doing that so I can have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, those were those were really solid movies. Yeah. Bill and Ted 3. <laughs> Bill and Ted 3 was great. Uh, that was so much fun. I'm so glad that... Uh, yeah, and then yeah. I, I guess the new Matrix comes out in a couple days, so can't speak to that yet. Yep. Yeah, uh, assuming I get this edited on time, which probably won't happen, but we'll see... Uh, it'll come out that day. Yes. Which kind of, ugh, I'm, I'm really annoyed because it's one of the things where it's like, if there's a movie I'd go see at the theater, it'd be like a Matrix movie. Totally. Because uh, I saw the first one. The first one came out when I was in uh, junior high. Came out when I was in junior high and I remember seeing it and, you know, this was back before social media was a thing, right? So the movie was not spoiled. I didn't mm-hmm. know what to expect. It just kind of broke my mind a little. Right. Just because, like, you know what The Matrix did for action movies, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, I hadn't seen anything like that before. But, yeah, so seeing that theater would be great. But going to a theater around the holidays in a pandemic yeah, for a movie, on. that thing, like, it's... I, I, I don't think it it's seems silly. I, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Because, yeah, I think I have seen two movies in theaters since the pandemic started. Uh, they were both in October at Metro. They yeah, were, I think I've seen the one. <laughs> yeah, there's Tatan, and then I went and saw Introduction, because yeah. uh, the Alberta Cinema Society started up, and they yes. were showing that. I feel like I've really dropped the ball on keeping on top of things, though, because I know there's been a ton of new movies that have been coming to Shudder and all that, mm-hmm. or Netflix, that I just haven't watched. Yeah. And a big part of that is... Uh, knowing that movie theaters were off and, like, releases got fucked because of the pandemic, I was like, I'm just going to focus on my gigantic Blu-ray collection, especially because I, I uh, logged all the movies I have on uh, Blu-ray.com. Mm-hmm. And you can say whether you've seen it or, or right. haven't seen it. I have several, several days worth of movies to watch that I haven't seen, like a hundred and some days of movies to watch. I like that several hundreds. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, like, it's gotta be more than several. It's definitely dipped by now because I watched a lot of movies I hadn't seen before this year, which I really liked doing. That's kind of why I haven't kept on top of other stuff. Because mm-hmm. I've been like, all right, I, I keep... Doing your nasties. Yeah, and... yeah, I keep buying these movies and then not watching them because it's like, oh, I'll watch them later. So, 
Yeah. So I've seen a ton of stuff that was new to me mm-hmm. over the past couple of years, uh, but not like new in the yeah. literal sense. I will say not even really for this podcast, but I would definitely cover it sometime. One of the biggest surprises that I really liked was seeing Putney Swope. It's a movie that was uh, recommended to me. I think you should watch it. It's okay. It's like I've never heard of it. <laughs> it's a slightly experimental sort of satirical movie from 1969. Nice. Nice. And um, it's by Robert Downey Sr. Mm. He made it. And the premise is an ad company that's a bunch of stuffy white guys with one black guy on the board. They have to elect a new like head of the board, and you're not allowed to vote for yourself. And so, in trying to rig it, they all accidentally vote for Putney Swope, the the one black guy on the board. And they elect him as their new CEO. And he just, like, straight up, this is the future kind of thing. And just, like, it's one of those satires that it is not subtle, but it works anyway. Nice. It's hilarious. I think I sent you, like, a good dozen clips from it while I was watching it. Oh, okay. All those clips with the weird lines that I just kept sending throughout. That was from this movie. Okay. I remember that. And then yeah, I was, I'd watch. And then the other one I watched, I think I might have even watched it same day, possibly, was The Swimmer, which was another one I hadn't seen. It's funny, the two movies that really made an impression on me that I hadn't seen before were some of the few non-horror movies I watched this year. <laughs> Go figure. They were really good, though. Nice. Anything you see this year, or in the last couple of years, that just really, you're like, damn, whether it's new or not? Like, new mm, to you. Yeah. Um... Well, like, earlier this year, I wa- I think it was in the summer, I watched Jojo Rabbit, finally. I have not seen that one, And yeah. I was led to believe it was, like, more of a comedy. And, I mean, it, it is, but it's dark. And, like, I was like, well, now I'm going to start crying. See, that <laughs> like, makes me want to see it more. I, I love yeah. that sort of genre bending and stuff yeah. where it's like there's actual humanity and pathos to this. Absolutely. Yeah. So I really liked that one. Cool. I watched it with, uh, like, my sister and my dad. Yeah, you'd recommend? Oh, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Very good. I guess we both watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's right. uh, Separately. Of course, yeah. That was... I like that. I really like that one. I like that one. That's one I actually... um, Every copy that my... The branch I work at, the library uh, of Carol that they have already has, like, staff pick stickers on it, because obviously... Yeah. And I saw Carol with someone's sticker was on the, um, like, staff pick shelf. And so I went and looked, and we had Portrait of a Lady on Fire, so I popped my sticker on there and nice. put them side by side, because I figured that's a, you know, this the, the shelf is for the lesbians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then someone checked it out, and I was like, yes! They can even fall into, like, all the, the tropes, and, like, you know, not even necessarily saying, like, the, the gross tropes of mm-hmm. yesteryear, but, like, even, like, the... The, there's cliches of the genre, like, you know, like, the old-timey, like, two white lesbians totally. meet and fall in love in this fleeting moment. Like, it, yes. Carol kind of thing, like totally. you said. I'm a fucking sucker for those. I oh, yeah, just, yeah, 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 like, absolutely. Yeah, Me too. I, I will watch them. Me too. Like, uh, last year, I think, it was uh, that Happiest Season came out. It's right. Like, so not my genre, so not my thing, but it's like, fuck it, I don't <laughs> care. I didn't dislike it as much as everybody else did. No, I... Like, I remember yeah. watching, maybe because everyone was talking, like, oh, it sucks, and they did this and this, and then I watched, and I was like, oh, it wasn't that bad. You I, know what? I laughed. There are def- definitely like, legitimate criticisms to have sure. on that. I think one of the big ones that comes up is just how fucking white that movie is. Totally. Um, yeah, no, I'm thinking more in terms of, like, the yeah. interpersonal, like, relationships. It's, exactly. Now that you mention that, that might be one of the earlier examples where I wasn't even really cognizant of it, but, like, the whole fan expectation or I am the audience cater to me kind of thing started like I remember very pronounced around there and I know the stakes are a bit different because it's like we never get gay representation but 
it very much mirrors what you see today where it's just like this made me uncomfortable therefore it's bad yeah and it's just like yeah they have a messy relationship relationships are messy news fucking flash right it's uh yeah but it's tricky plus also Kristen stewart Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I'm that gay. <laughs> uh, but actually, I rewatched Personal Shopper this year, mm. which I hadn't seen in a while, actually not that long ago. You should watch it again. It yeah. was, like, I liked it the first time, but, like, I loved it this time. It was oh. so good. Okay. Yeah. Give it, yeah, I'd it watch it. It hit really hard. Anything you're looking forward to coming up? I know you said The Matrix. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like it could be fun. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm aware of what's coming up, to be honest. I haven't been paying attention. That's a very good point. There's a lot of things that, like, for all I know, they've come and gone. Right. Something like that. I'm so conflicted since I found out it was found footage because there are some great found footage movies, but I've seen more absolute stinkers stinkers than great ones. But I was really hyped for that, um, The Deep House. Right. Which it's like a haunted house movie underwater. So it's aquatic horror while doing a haunted house movie. So it's like... Sign me the fuck up. It's like being the, the, the nader to Event Horizon Zenith sort of thing. And, uh, it's by one of the French New Extreme filmmaking mm, duos. Right. I can't... I might have been people that did Inside, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't remember. 100% but one of those. Yeah, and it's like... That has me written all over it. And I think it's actually come out in some context. Mm. Like, I'm, it might be able to even rent it on VOD. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I want to see that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever the hell David Cronenberg is making with Kristen Stewart and, like, Viggo Mortensen or whatever. Yeah, you yeah, know? Uh, Crimes of the Future. Yeah. But that one I'm very looking forward to. Like, uh, totally. Kristen Stewart dropped that thing where it's just like... Oh, yeah, it's set in, like, a weird version of the future where, like, sex has changed and pain doesn't exist or something. Like, like pain is pleasure now. It's just, like, directly into my veins. What up? (laughs) It's, like, Cronenberg, sex, being weird, what? Kristen Stewart. (laughs) Yeah, I I am there. It's been fun being back. It's been been a minute. Yeah. But until next time, take it easy and keep it sleazy. Happy holidays. Sure. <laughs>